In September 1914, at the very outset of the Great War, a dreadful rumor arose. It was said that at the Battle of the Marne, east of Paris, soldiers on the front line had been discovered, standing at their post in all dutiful military postures, but not alive. Every normal attitude of life was limited imitated by these dead men. According to the patriotic serial, The Times History of the War, published in 1916, the illusion was so complete that often the living would speak to the dead before powerful new high-explosive shells was the cause of the phenomenon, or so it was claimed. That such an outlandish story could gain credence was not surprising, notwithstanding the massive cannon fire of previous ages and even automatic weaponry unveiled in the American Civil War. Nothing like this thunderous new artillery firepower had been seen before. A battery of mobile 75-millimeter field guns, the pride of the French Army, could, for example, sweep 10 acres of terrain 435 yards deep in less than 50 seconds. 432,000 shells have been fired in a five-day period of the September engagement on, on the Marne. The rumor em emanating from there reflected the instinctive dread aroused by such monstrous innovation. Surely it only made sense such a machine must cause dark, invisible forces to pass through the air and destroy men's brains. Shrapnel from mortars, grenades, and above all, artillery uh, projectile bombs or shells would account for an estimated 60% of the 9.7 million military fatalities of World War I. Shell shock, the term that would come to define the phenomenon, first appeared in the British Medical Journal, the, the Lancet, in February 1915, only six months after the commencement of the war, in a landmark article, Cap Captain Charles Myers of the Royal Army Medical Corps noted the remarkably close similarity of symptoms in three soldiers who had been exposed to exploding shells. Case one had endured six or seven shells exploding around him. Case two had been buried under the blown off a pile of bricks of 15 feet. All three men exhibited symptoms of reduced visual fields, loss of smell, taste, and some loss of memory. Early medical opinion took the common sense view that the damage was commotional or related to the severe concussive motion of the shaken brain in the soldier's skull. Shell shock then was initially deemed to be a physical injury, and the shell shock soldier was thus entitled to a distinguished wound stripe for his uniform and to possible discharge and a war pension. But by 1916, military and medical authorities were convinced that many soldiers exhibiting the characteristic symptoms, trembling rather like a jelly-shaking headache, tinnitus, or ringing in the ear, dizziness, poor concentration, confusion, loss of memory, and disorders of sleep had been nowhere near exploding shells. Rather, their condition was one of neurosnia, or weakness <clears throat> of the nerves. In layman's terms, a nervous breakdown precipitated by the dreadful stress of war. Today, I want to speak on spiritual victory. If you need spiritual victory in your life, God has it for you. You have to go get it. In our opening text, in 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called 
and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Next. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. You may be seated. Spiritual victory. You have been drafted. You are in a war. There is no demilitarized zone. No neutral ground. Whether you want to fight or not, you are a warrior in the battle of the ages. At the moment of your natural birth, you were placed on one side of the battle line. At the moment of your spiritual birth, you crossed over to the other side. Now, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you are commissioned to engage in battle. The first part of our spiritual warfare is an inward battle. We, against our old carnal nature, every day we fight our minds, our old carnal nature, the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life. Romans 7.23 says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. The second part of our spiritual battle is the outward battle against the opposition and hindering efforts of people who oppose our walk with God. Not people, but against their efforts. Yes, that family member may come to you and say, hey, you don't need to be living for God. That's just stupid. Why do you dress like that? Why do you act like that? And your first thought is to punch them in the face. But we don't do that. (laughs) We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness. You win that war when you go to an altar and you pray over that war because we're not fighting against people. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 through We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. The third part of our spiritual battle is the invisible battle. Forces unseen, spirits, and powers of darkness. Ephesians 6.12, as we read in the text, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers or darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We must expect to face attacks on all three fronts, and we must be prepared and empowered to overcome each attack. Your military commission 
In the scripture text, we read our military orders. The apostle Paul, who was very familiar with the Roman army, compared our spiritual warfare with the armament and procedures of the Roman soldier. The amplified version puts it like this. Put on the whole armor of God, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are of the world, rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil evil day of danger. And having done all, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, having put on the breastplate of preparation to face the enemy in the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news, the gospel of peace. Lift up all over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit wields which is the word of god pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty to that end keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance interceding in behalf of all the saints God's consecrated people. Don't think just because you sit on these seats doesn't mean you're going not going through something. Because every one of us is in a battle. And we had to fight the good fight of faith. Our mission outline, that is what we have been commissioned to do, is to put on the whole armor of God. Stand against the wiles, the strategies of Satan. Wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Withstand or survive in the evil day quality of our strength, stand, continue, remain, survive, and pray. Our armor inventory, this is the equipment we have been given to accomplish the mission. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the greaves, which is the brass boots of the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. The first order in our commission is to put on the whole armor of God. We see the Apostle Paul states that the armor of God consists of six separate pieces. It is not sufficient to put on just certain pieces of the armor. Just like taking certain scriptures and saying this is all I have to believe in. You have to put on the whole armor of God. We must have every single piece of it. Unless we have the whole armor of God, we are still unguarded and vulnerable in some areas of our lives. The armor of God is also called the armor of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 6, 4-7 But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. Spiritual warfare requires spiritual weapons. It cannot be accomplished with carnal weapons. For though we walk in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down all imaginations. 
of our thoughts. Every time those thoughts come into your mind, cast them down in the name of Jesus. To prevail over Satan's schemes and strategies. 1 Peter 5.8 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. 2 Corinthians 2 Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lust of the, he's got a lot of devices. We should not be ignorant of what Satan can do. What we put in front of our eyes is very important. You have to guard your eyes. You know, David said, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. David made a covenant with his eyes. We must have the armor of God to gain victory over Satan's assaults and onslaughts to withstand all the attacks in the evil day. The Bible speaks of different types of evil days that we may have to face. A day of trouble, a day of battle, a day of calamity, a day of temptation, a day of vengeance, a day of adversity, a day of grief and sorrow, and a day of affliction. Psalm 34:19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him out of them all. Every one. Now, to quench the fiery darts of Satan, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Are you going through something today? As though some strange thing happened to you. And things come in our lives and we're like, where'd that come from? And we get all haughty in, in our spirits and we're like, well, well, the Word says... Don't, don't think it's strange, because it's coming. It rains on the just, and it rains on the unjust alike. I don't care which world you're living in. Whether you're living for God or living for Satan, you're going to go through your trials and tribulations. Fury darts called phalerci uh, were combustible, burning arrowheads that set fire to fortifications and strongholds. These flaming arrows can be Satan's attempts to ignite our own carnal lusts desires and passions emotions are evil thoughts and intense temptations the heart is deceitful you know if you hear someone say I'll just follow your heart no don't do that your heart is deceitful above all things it will not lead you into the right direction if we're going to prevail over skating schemes quench his fiery darts and survive the evil days, then we must be well protected by the whole armor of God. The five defensive weapons to protect us. The first one is the helmet of salvation. Ephesians six seventeen, and take the helmet of salvation. The soldier's helmet was designed to protect or secure the brain. The command center of the warrior. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on for an helmet the hope, the confidence of salvation. The helmet protects our thinking processes. It allows us to think straight. It protects what we know. The biblical meaning of hope is better understood as confidence or expectation. 
when we are confident in our hope of salvation. For today is the day of salvation. Our priorities, attitudes, and thinking are anchored and secure. 2 Timothy 1.12 For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hebrews 6.19 Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Our next one is the belt of truth. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The purpose of the belt is to bind the flowing garments that would hinder the soldier's movements in battle, to hold the soldier's weapons close to the body, to give support, strength, and protection to the middle body during the fatigue of war. The belt is symbolic of truth. There are two types of truth to consider here. Doctrinal truth protects us from false doctrines and ideologies of men and devils. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. 1 Timothy 4 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself. 2 Thessalonians says, Them that perish, they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. We must fall in love with God's Word. I don't, I don't believe you can make it to heaven if you're not reading your Word every day. If you're not praying every day. If you're not fasting every week, I don't think you're going to make it. It's not, it's not going to happen. You know, it reminds me of the ten virgins that, that were on their way to heaven or to this place. And five of them, they all fell asleep, and then the master called. And five of them went, and the other five said, we don't have enough oil to make it. If you don't have enough oil to make it, you're going to go back and then you're going to try to buy that oil and then come back and the door is going to be closed. In the fatigue and weariness of battle, our doctrinal truth and personal integrity with God will provide strength and support. If we lose either our doctrinal truth or our personal honesty with God, we lose our support and we'll eventually lose the battle. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having on the breastplate of righteousness. This piece of armory, the breastplate, protects the vital organs of the torso. The full Roman breastplate came in two pieces. One part to cover the chest and the other part to cover the back. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. In Ephesians, the breastplate is called righteousness. In 1 Thessalonians, the breastplate is labeled as faith and love. Faith and love incorporate all the virtues of righteousness. By faith, we are bound to Jesus Christ. By love, we are bound to each other, to our brotherhood, to our sisters. We're bound to one another. When we wear the breastplate of righteousness, we are faithful in our relationship to God, which is vertical, and then we are faithful in our correct behavior towards our brothers and sisters, which is horizontal. That is righteousness. The breastplate was a shining, glistening weapon. It was usually made of brass, bronze, gold, or some other reflective material. It was often highly polished to reflect the light and dazzle, blind, and confuse the enemy. Romans 13.12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. 
Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Light, in the Greek, is to shine, to especially by rays, luminances, firelight. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The brightness of the glory of Jesus Christ, which is reflected in us, should be reflected in us, because we are made in the image of God, shall ultimately destroy all the enemies of God. The more His righteousness shines through us, the more our enemies are defeated. Then there's the grease, the brass boots, the preparation of the gospel of peace. The soldier's greaves were used to provide protection for the feet and shield the front of the legs. Gall traps with poison and sharp sticks were often hidden along pathways to injure the legs and feet of the enemy warriors. These were primitive versions of landmines. Without the greaves, a soldier was extremely vulnerable. The greaves are called the preparation of the gospel, which means being equipped, primed, ready to obey and proclaim the gospel of making peace with God. Psalm 119.101 says, I have refrained my feet from the evil way, from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. Psalm 119.133, order my steps in thy word and let not iniquity have dominion over me. In Scripture, a person walks in an allegory for his or her own life, in their way of life. Our feet and our steps should be well-schooled in the gospel. The gospel must be our way of life. There is no other way. There ain't no other way. But this Word of God that we walk in, that we breathe in, that we talk in, that we speak, that's the way we live. And every time that we come against something, we use the Word of God to back it up. When we are prepared and skilled in the Gospel, we are protected from Satan's traps, which try to cripple us or cause us to stumble. When we are protected with the preparation of the Gospel of peace, our feet can carry us to spread the Word of God. Romans 10.15 says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the Gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. How was it when someone came to you and they brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and they invited you to church? That is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see in this life is a child of God going out and outreaching and speaking God's word into your life. Because God's word says his word does not return into him void, but it accomplished that which he has purposed it to do. The shield of faith, which is our last of our defensive weapons. Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now the soldier's shield was used as a movable buckler, or a cover that protected the soldier from the opponent's weapons, regardless of the direction of the attack. The shield of faith is the most important defensive weapon of all. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Matthew Henry's commentary said, in the hour of attack, in the time of temptation, faith is all in all. Faith is, faith is the only shield that can extinguish and smother the flaming arrows of the enemy. Passions, lust, and our emotions. Faith is mobile and adaptable. It is very versatile. 
to any attack. With the shield of faith, we can turn in any direction necessary and ward off the attack from any quarter. Now, how versatile and adaptable the weapon of faith is. In Hebrew 11, we read in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not things were not made with things which do appear. Notice how versatile that is. By faith we understand the creation. By faith Enoch was translated. By faith Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. By faith the heart of Rahab perished not. By faith they subdued kingdoms. By faith they obtained promises. By faith they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Received their dead raised again to life. Faith conquers the world. Regardless of the attacks we encounter, faith is sufficient to bring us victory over each and every one. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now our offensive weapon, the sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17 talks about the sword of the Spirit. This powerful offensive weapon is used to strike the enemy with an overwhelming blow. This is not an ordinary sword. It is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of God. It is, is, is unlimited in its power. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is quick, alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm talking... It's piercing even to the dividing of your soul and spirit. Your soul, your spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus Christ Himself wielded the sword of the Word and defeated Satan's onslaught of temptation by saying, It is written. Matthew 4, 4. But He answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the God. Every time Satan came to Jesus, Jesus came at him with the word. Because Satan knows the word too, but you got to know the word better than Satan. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He saith again, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus' name. Jesus Christ Himself wielded that sword. The Word of God, hidden in our hearts, will impel and slaughter the lust, the pride, the malice, envy, and all other corruptions that might be hidden there. David said in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David had God's Word in his heart. That way, whenever the temptation came, 
God's word came up. Sample sword tactics. Let's look at some tactics. When you're confused and you're going through confusion, you can go to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. If you're going through the fatigue and battle of weariness, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When temptation comes, go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God, who is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Are you going through grief? Have you lost someone? Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. If you don't have the Holy Ghost today, He wants to comfort you. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. Not only does our commission order us to be suited in the whole armor of God, it also instructs us on how to, be, to use the armor of God and engage in the battle. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication of this, in the Spirit. After the Scripture catalogs our spiritual armor, it calls for us to engage in prayer. We have to get on the prayer train. Prayer is the dis discipline. It is the exercise. It is the regimen. The perpetual habit of the soldier. Perpetual. It's ongoing. Every day. Every day. If there's one thing I wish I would have learned a long time ago is that I wish I would have prayed more. Without prayer, soldiers weak. They are feeble. They are unable to manipulate the armor effectively. It is through prayer that we build up our strength. Jude 1.20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Effectual fervent prayer is the means by which we activate the power to properly use the armor that we have been given. We will study prayer Later, in greater depths. There's another Bible study for that. The military discipline of preparedness. Ephesians 6.13 Wherefore take unto you the armor of God and having done all, to stand. The phrase to stand is a military term that means after we have conquered, conquered one enemy, stand ready and prepared to conquer the next enemy. Because they're coming. One after another. There was Goliath. And then he had five other brothers. And they had to conquer all them giants. They're coming. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye. Be vigilant. Be awake. Be prepared. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Act manly. Be strong. We must always be prepared to fight the good fight of faith. Always ready to defend the gospel. To stand against all the attacks from within and without. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Watch there in tune to all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The final instructions given to us in our commission tell us that as soldiers, we must persevere, we must persist, and endure. It is not enough to begin the fight. We must also finish it. Mark 13, 13. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Endure means to remain, 
to have fortitude, to persevere, to hold out. As warriors of the word, we are called to endure many things. Endure afflictions, endure hardness, endure persecution, endure chastening and correction. Endure grief, endure temptation, endure all things. The second and third chapters of Revelation reveal that great rewards will be given to those soldiers who faithfully endure and overcome. He that overcomes, it says, shall eat of the tree of life. He that overcomes shall not be heard of the second death. He shall eat the hidden manna. He shall receive a new name. He shall receive power over the nations. He shall be clothed in white raiment. He shall have his name in the book of life. He shall be a pillar in the temple of God and shall sit with Christ in his throne. Nothing that we suffer or endure here as soldiers of Jesus Christ can begin to compare with the war reward that we shall receive. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Romans 8.18 For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Timothy 4.7-8 Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all them that also love His appearing. The fight may be fierce, but we are guaranteed the victory if we stay faithful to our commander-in-chief. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Whom he calls, he qualifies. Whom he qualifies, he enables. Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Musicians, come. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. A soldier in the army of God. I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in the rapture or die in this army. But I will not get out, sell out, be talked about, or pushed out. I am faithful. I am reliable. I am capable. I am dependable. If my God needs me, I will be there. If He needs me to teach children, work with the youth, help adults, assist the disabled, teach Bible studies, clean the church, feed the poor, pray for the sick, or just sit and learn. He can use me because I will be there. I am a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, perked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, get me on Facebook, or 
army. I'm a soldier. I'm not a wimp. I am in my place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, and catered to. I am committed. I am determined. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around to the world. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into this army, I had nothing. If I end up with nothing, I will still have more than I started with. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ. Devils can't defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. And governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to a captain and bring me back to the rule of this world with him. I am a soldier. If you are a soldier today, come up front. If you need prayer, come up front.